The Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights says it has begun to launch Phase Two of its long-awaited HIPAA compliance audit program. So, what does this mean for covered entities and business associates? I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm speaking with healthcare regulatory compliance attorney Bob Belfort of the law firm Manette Phelps and Phillips LLP. Bob will be speaking to us about how healthcare entities and business associates should prepare for a possible HIPAA compliance audit by OCR. So now, Bob, as I mentioned, OCR has announced that it has launched Phase Two of its HIPAA compliance audits. Which is expected to involve about 200 remote desk audits of covered entities and business associates that will be conducted by the end of December of 2016, and after that, OCR is expected to conduct a smaller number of more comprehensive on-site audits of covered entities and business associates. OCR says it's first reaching out to potential CEs and BAs via email to confirm contact information at those organizations, and that that would be followed up with a pre-audit questionnaire. So, Bob, with these OCR plans in mind, what's your advice to covered entities and BAs in case they are contacted by OCR about a potential audit? What should these organizations be doing right now to prepare for a possible HIPAA compliance audit? Well, I think that preparation hopefully has been going on for a while since the agency has signaled the the audit program back last year and even even the year before that. But I think at this point there are a few different steps that organizations can and should be taking. The first is that there should be an internal gap analysis conducted. Of the organization's HIPAA compliance program, there are many different ways to do a gap analysis. It can be done with existing internal staff, with the help of outside attorneys or consultants. But whatever means the organization is using, there should be a crosswalk conducted between the existing policies and procedures and practices of the organization against the HIPAA requirements and. If one looks back at the audit tools that were used several years ago, when there were a small number of HIPAA audits done, they provide a helpful starting point for developing the the basis for a gap analysis. And if there are gaps identified, that there are no policies in certain areas, or if a risk analysis hasn't been done recently, then efforts can be made to try to fill those gaps very quickly. Hopefully, before any audit commences. The other thing I would add is that, from an organizational standpoint, there should be clear lines of responsibility in terms of who is designated to handle an audit. There should always be one point person who is designated as the person with authority to interface with OCR. That person should have access to other staff within the organization who may be necessary to respond to the audit request. And that infrastructure should be in place before the audit request comes in, and you certainly don't want to be scrambling to figure out what your organizational model is for handling the audit. You know, on the day that you receive the request, because OCR has suggested that there may be a relatively short turnaround time for producing documents. OCR says that the bulk of these audits will be remote desk audits. What do you think OCR will be looking for during these remote audits? Yeah, I mean, I think the the fact that they're remote remote audits is probably driven primarily by resource constraints, and 
that's been a major issue with OCR for, for a number of years, that the agency has relied primarily on complaints and breach notification as a means of targeting its enforcement efforts, in large part because it really never had the, the funding and the resources to go out and do an extensive random audit program even though high-tech obligated the agency to do that. So I think given the resource constraints, there'll be an effort to target the auditing in the areas that are deemed most important by OCR. And I think certainly one area that the agency has pressed time and time again as being fundamental is whether the organization has recently performed a security risk analysis that is sufficient to meet HIPAA requirements. The risk analysis is really kind of the bedrock of security rule compliance because there are so many HIPAA security rule provisions that set general categories of safeguards that the organization has to maintain but leave it up to the organization in its own discretion to tailor its policies given its size and its resources and the nature of its risks. But with that discretion comes the responsibility to do a risk analysis periodically to make conscious and fully documented decisions about what the right type of safeguards are. And if an organization doesn't have a risk analysis in place, it really lacks support for, for most of the decisions it's making in terms of its security program. And in the cases where I've had clients who've reported breaches to, to OCR over the past few years, in every case, one of the follow-up requests from, from OCR in those cases has been for a copy of the security risk analysis to see whether the organization really has put into place a formal process for evaluating its security rule obligations. And I think OCR will be looking at the, how recent that, that risk analysis was conducted. They won't be very happy if it was conducted when the security rule went into effect 10 years ago. They're going to look for something hopefully the last year or two, and they're going to look for the scope and the breadth of the analysis to make sure it really covers all of the, the necessary issues. On the privacy side, I think they will certainly be looking at policies that govern the use and disclosure of information to make sure that those policies track HIPAA requirements and that there are there are policies in writing that guide individuals within the organization. I think the areas that they may focus on in terms of the types of use and disclosure may vary with the kind of organization involved. And I think they'll also be looking at patient access and other patient rights, whether the organization has policies and procedures in place to give patients access to their records, copies of their records, in a timely way and in a way that doesn't create obstacles to access. So I think those are some of the most likely areas. They may also target a few issues that have been sore spots with breaches in the past. I think OCR is very frustrated with the fact that there continue to be breaches involving lost or stolen laptops without encrypted data on them. They view that as sort of being low-hanging fruit that every organization should have addressed a while ago, given the ease of encrypting laptops and the risk associated with laptops or any mobile device or media. 
so they may target a few issues like that to see if the organization has addressed security in that area. And how do you think the on-site audits will differ from the remote audits? What might OCR be looking at during the on-site audits that are in addition to what they might ask some organization for during a desk audit? You know, a desk audit is going to be focused on paper reviews, which I think is going to be a lot of policies and procedures, risk analysis report. An organization should do reasonably well in a desk audit if it has the right documentation in place. The desk audit may not be that effective at getting underneath the policies and looking at how certain decisions are made on a day-to-day basis whether the policies are really being complied with. It's hard to do that through a desk audit. I think the opportunity with a uh, for, for OCR and the, the challenge for an organization with an on-site audit is that there's a lot more opportunity to get underneath the policies and actually look at operations. They will probably interview people within the organization and ask questions about how certain policies have been implemented in practice. They may ask how certain types of uses and disclosures are treated. They may actually get access to the information system and look to see how it's configured and functions. And so I think it will permit OCR to conduct a more intensive review of sort of what's really going on in practice, whereas I think the desk audit will be more about documentation and sort of, you know, organizational compliance rather than day-to-day practice. OCR says that the audits are primarily a compliance improvement activity to help OCR better understand compliance efforts with particular aspects of the HEPA rules and to generally determine what types of technical assistance might be helpful for covered entities and business associates in the future. However, OCR does admit that Quote, should an audit report indicate a serious compliance issue, OCR may initiate a compliance review to further investigate, end quote. With that said, what's your advice to covered entities and business associates about avoiding triggers that could result in an audit leading to a more comprehensive compliance review and investigation by OCR? Well, I think that there are certainly areas of HIPAA compliance where there's ambiguity or where, you know, there are decisions to be made about resource levels and the intensity of certain safeguards. My sense is that what the distinction that OCR is making, although they haven't stated this clearly, but my instinct about this is that when it comes to interpretations of the rule, particularly on the security side, that involve judgment calls by providers, which there are many to make. I think I would take OCR at its word that it's looking to understand industry practice, to try to educate providers about expectations, to perhaps provide some benchmarks that the industry could look to as to what's being considered reasonable. And on on those types of issues, it may be primarily a educational and corrective action type of approach. But I think there are certain hard and fast requirements that I think if OCR discovers, they will feel compelled to push to the other side and and look at from an enforcement standpoint. And so if they find that an organization has never done a risk analysis, 
I don't think they're going to view that solely as an educational opportunity. If they look at the risk analysis and the organization has done one every two years, but they don't think that it's quite as robust as what might be expected, that may be an educational opportunity and there may be more of a cooperative approach, particularly if the organization is smaller and there are legitimate issues about the level of resources that could be made available for that type of activity. But if organizations have clearly ignored certain requirements, they haven't done a risk analysis, there's no evidence they ever issue privacy notices to patients, they have no policies in place to handle patient requests for records, I think those clear violations are going to be what will tend to push things over to the enforcement side. So I think avoiding those type of unambiguous violations is the best way to keep it moving in the right direction. Do you think that any potential enforcement activities coming out of these audits could involve financial penalties or resolution agreements or settlements? Sure, I think it's possible. I mean, I think it depends what OCR finds. I think that there have been penalties imposed in breach notification cases that are linked to sort of clear violations of the rule, like, you know, again, unencrypted laptops, failure to have ever performed a risk analysis, absence of business associate agreements with vendors who have access to significant amounts of protected health information. So I think the agency could take the view that if they've imposed penalties for those kinds of violations where there's been a breach, if they find an organization that has a 1,000 unencrypted laptops running around the community, the fact that they haven't yet reported a breach may not be sufficient to prevent OCR from imposing a penalty when that issue has been highlighted so much by the agency and in the media. So, you know, I think it's possible, again, depending on if they find more judgment call issues and gray area questions, I wouldn't anticipate penalties. But if they find clear violations that fall into areas that they have been warning the industry about for a while, I could certainly imagine penalties. So OCR also says it will use findings of this Phase 2 audit program to develop a permanent audit program. However, when OCR launched its pilot audit program in 2011 and 2012, which examined 115 covered entities, OCR implied that it would use those findings to help in developing a permanent audit program. Now, since it's already been four years since the pilot audits concluded and OCR is only now launching phase two, how likely is it that we'll ever see a permanent audit program launched, in your opinion? I think that's really a funding question. I mean, I think when HIPAA was first enacted, I think the agency had a cooperative mindset where it didn't really want to aggressively enforce because it wanted to give the industry time to understand and work with the rules and come into compliance, and it viewed itself almost entirely as, you know, a partner in that activity. It's now been 13 years since the privacy rule became effective. I would imagine that within the government there is a perspective now that the trial period has ended and that the industry really should understand what the rules require and should be compliant with them. And I think 
that recent penalties and settlements have shown that when the agency finds out about noncompliance, it will impose multi-million dollar penalties, particularly on larger organizations that can afford to pay those penalties. But the main constraint, I think, on auditing has been the lack of resources to fund auditors. And as much as OCR may want to establish a permanent program and as much as high-tech obligates the agency to do audits, if there's no funding for, for an audit program, then the audits are not going to happen. And I think my guess, and it's just speculation, is that from a funding standpoint, the government tends to fund auditing activity that it views as returning funds back to the government to justify the cost of the audit so that you know, auditing is generally viewed as an investment that yields return on investment if you want to apply a private sector concept to the government. So in the fraud and abuse or billing context, the government has an extensive Medicare and Medicaid audit program because it more than pays for itself. So I think that the dynamics probably will only shift if an approach is taken where penalties are sufficient to cover the cost of the auditing program and it's not viewed as just a sort of additional expense to cover audits that doesn't get recouped through enforcement. Thanks, Bob. I've been speaking to attorney Bob Belfort. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.